Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Phase Zero Episode 3. Well, hello there. I am your host, Brandon Davis. I am joined today by Jamie Jurek. Hello. And Mr. Jim Viscardi, aka Red Shirt Guy. What's up, y'all? I'm not wearing a red shirt today. I promise, though, next week. Promise. Welcome to episode three of Phase Zero. If you need answers about WandaVision, listen, we have them for you, but we also have more questions. So we're going to dive into all of that. We have some Marvel news we have to get through. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody for an awesome first two episodes. Your screenshots, your clips, your subscriptions, your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can leave reviews. We appreciate all of that. If you're watching us on Twitch, we do this every Friday at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. So make sure you subscribe because we are breaking down every new episode of WandaVision and we're going to roll straight into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and we're going to roll straight into Loki and everything else about the MCU and Black Widow if it ever comes out. So we have a special guest today. I assigned all of you some homework during last week's show. I told you you needed to read the Vision comic, which is very clearly an inspiration for this WandaVision show. Chat, Our guest show of hands. Who read it this morning? I, I know some of y'all waited till the last minute, chat. I I honestly, I read this book a, lo- a few years ago, but then I read it again. I was getting COVID tested and I was in a line for three hours and I read the whole thing. It made the line fly by and I, and I tested negative. So it was a great day. Uh, I, I guess say, oh, this is a man. He has written some of the most iconic characters in comics. He's worked with legendary writers like Chris Claremont in his earliest days. And now he's becoming a legend himself. Uh, he's worked on, on people ranging from Batman to our boy, The Vision, as I just said. He is currently uh, has Batman Catwoman in uh, publishing. He has Rorschach publishing. If you're not reading those, I suggest you start. Mr. Tom King is live on Phase Zero. Woo! Welcome. Everybody's doing such awesome dances. I'm not capable of <laughs> No way I could. Hi, well, thank you for having me. What a pleasure to be here. This is awesome. Listen, thank you for joining us. It is our pleasure to have you. Who better to talk about the vision than a man who wrote one of the best vision comics? I mean, I, I can't think of a better one uh, than than your comic. I, I love that story. It's an awesome story. We're going to talk all about that uh, in just a little bit. So thank you for joining us on Phase Zero. What a pleasure. It's cool to be here. And lots of people have written incredible vision stories. I just wrote, I just wrote the latest one. We stand a humble king. We stand a humble king. Uh, okay, so we do have some quick Marvel news that we want to run through before we get into the WandaVision spoilers. So if you haven't watched WandaVision yet, this part of the show is safe for you. We will give you a spoiler warning. First of all, Thor Love and Thunder started filming this week, and that's very exciting. Not only because they did a very cool uh, ceremony to stre- celebrate Australian heritage, but also because the Guardians of the Galaxy are there. That's, that's I mean, how, does that, how do you beat that? It's like a mini cosmic Avengers movie, basically. 
is, is turning. Yeah, up. exactly. Yes. I mean, it was. It's funny because I remember one of the last. I think the last in-person interview I did before in-person interviews became a thing of the past was with Vin Diesel, and uh, he remember he he said he said. Uh, uh, I talked to Brandon. I talked to Taika Waititi. <laughs> They're going to do some work with uh, some of the Guardians in that Thor movie. And I was like, did you just give me like the best scoop of 2020? <laughs> Little did I know it would be the last scoop of 2020. <laughs> but uh, I remember that. Now it's true. The Guardians of the Galaxy uh, are in Thor 4. So that's exciting. I'm, it's a, the, the comment section is pretty fired up about that. Morbius is pushed to 2022. And so this leads me to a big question. I want you, I want everybody's thoughts on this. Does that seem to inevitably imply that Spider-Man three is going to be delayed? Uh, I think it's going to be one of those. Let's wait, let's wait and see until they get really close and then have to move it again. <laughs> Everything's going to be delayed, right? We don't have a chance. It's COVID knocking everyone on their heels. Yeah. It's yeah. Except if you're in Australia. So lucky those people. But <laughs> yeah, where, where people actually listen and help each other and stuff yeah. must be nice. They'll, 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 they'll get Spider Man. We'll have to wait. That's that's what, <laughs> yeah, it's what we deserve. It's, it's, <laughs> we'll only have Australian movies from now on. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse things. That's true. That's like true. Everyone, Tom, what was the last just... movie? What was the last movie you saw in theaters? Birds of Prey was a comic book movie. I saw it with my with my uh, wife. I got tickets for my kids, and we realized at the last second it was rated R. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I had to talk my my wife. Usually, you know, I take the kids uh, to the to the superhero movies, or she usually stays home with the youngest one. And um, but yeah, at the last second, like rated R. Okay, find a babysitter. We'll go. We'll actually see a movie. The two of us. It'll be weird. Um, yeah. And then we had no idea that was our last movie. We should have eaten a lot more popcorn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looking back, feels like a lifetime ago. I miss movies. Uh, but I miss it's movies. it's. So much, so much. It's. I mean, I'm. I'm happy that. I mean, like Zack Snyder's Justice League just got a release date today, March 18th, and I mean, I'm. I'm very excited for that, and just the HBO Max slate in general. I know people as movie going fans have their reactions to that, and I also feel like that's a threatening thing towards the existence of movie theaters. But selfishly, I'm kind of like, well, at least we're getting some really big stuff to look forward to for now, like Godzilla vs Kong. That trailer was awesome, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, looking further ahead, Michael B. Jordan did an interview this week where he said he'd be down for a Black Panther 2 return. Uh, as far as we know, he might already be returning. These actors just <laughs> lie to us. I'm telling you, Sasha Banks lied to my face about The Mandalorian. I, with their, you know, We've had so many. They're at the point where they saw what Kit Harington did with Game of Thrones, and it's just, you know what, let's just lie because it's the only option. So I, I would like to hear everybody's thoughts on this because I personally thought Killmonger's arc in Black Panther was so damn near perfect. Like it was so complete if you bring him back to life or just never have killed him, whatever you want to say, because you didn't actually see a body. It is a comic book movie. Uh, is that, does that cheapen any of that story? And I think a lot of it comes down to execution, but I want your thoughts on that. I don't think it does. Um, I think that um, it'd be really nice to see him again. I mean, I think that we, people want some more familiar faces, especially now that Chadwick's gone. I think that Michael B. Jordan would be a really nice ad addition. Um, but also, I mean, I don't think that Loki coming back a bunch of times has diminished any of his previous uh, deaths or movies. And it'd be fun to see uh, Killmonger, I think, get a maybe a redemption arc. Um, but that's my two cents. 
<laughs> Tom, as somebody who has who has worked on so many characters in the in these comic book universes, what is the key? What's the secret to bringing a uh, a character back to life? Because it happens so often. You know, it's inevitable. We don't ever these characters don't ever die forever. What what is what's the secret? What's the secret formula? Uh, first of all, never bring Batman's parents back, and never bring <laughs> Spider Man's uncle back. Besides that, the whole slate is clear. It used to be you couldn't bring uh, Bucky back, but then Brubaker ruined that for everybody. So, <laughs> so now there's only two. We're now only three people that can state that. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the key is to make it good. That's stupid, but to make it good, I don't. I don't think. I, I think we've learned as comic book, we sort of evolved a little bit that we don't believe that new stories spoil old stories. Like if someone messes up a sequel to the first, I mean, Godfather three is not that great, but I still Godfather is wonderful. So like, I think people now or the modern mind can disassociate bad from good. So I, I, I think this, and also with, you know, with Spider-Man three coming up in the multiverse, I mean, there's lots of ways to bring some, an actor back into a movie without, without ruining the character, changing the character, obviously. Yeah. I, feel, I definitely agree with that. I mean, like it, I think, you know, it's, it seems inevitable that like a Hugh Jackman or Robert Downey Jr. are going to be back in one of these things at some point, just purely because of how much money they'll make a movie. Yes. So I mean, it, it, but for as a, as a viewer, you hope that the execution makes it worthwhile. Uh, so we'll see. But that's yeah. No, don't bring Uncle Ben back. Uh, we'll see if Spider Man Three <laughs> follows that rule. I don't know. I feel like everybody's in Spider Man Three. Tom, did they call you? Do you have a role in Spider Man Three yet? Everybody else is there. Yes, absolutely. I'm playing Stanley's cameo. <laughs> Uh, One of our questions here, casually cosplay a Nashville local there. We love to see it. He said, is Tom in Spider-Man 3? Which (laughs) is Tom Holland in Spider-Man 3? We don't even know anymore. Uh, And and the last thing I want to talk about on the news front, WandaVision has been releasing a lot of clips, especially one this morning that was very the most revealing trailer we've seen, I think, for Marvel in a while. Uh, And before today's episode, we had a clip that really showed off Monica reaching into Westview and it was just the most revealing type of thing I think we've actually seen from this. And that's, I think, both because the show is getting more revealing with going forward. But I also wonder, do you think this is a reaction? Like, is this a sign of, of reacting to the, some people not being satisfied with the pacing? Because there's interviews now where the showrunners are being asked, is it going to pick up? Are people going to be satisfied? Are they having to defend it? And I mean, I loved the first three episodes. I, I adored them. But a, I have seen a lot of comments that, are like ah, this is weird. It's a sitcom. It's Marvel. Like I don't. Know, this is what I mean. So do like do you think that this is a symptom of of trying to get people back? I mean, I, I think it's it's just they're working with what they've got. I will say that the the what they released this morning felt early for what they put out. Uh, normally, I feel like that this would have been something that they would have released on a Monday or a Tuesday to get people hyped for the the upcoming episodes to let, you know, a lot of stuff happened in this episode that I feel like needed to breathe a little bit. So I think it's just, it's, it's a, I don't think it's a reaction per se. I think it is just a result of these are the episodes that are coming up and this is the stuff that they have to tease and show. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, you know, I think a lot of the, the, the criticism has been around um, really the pacing of like those first three. And I, and I, I've said it all along to me, three is the episode that if you've been on the fence, will will basically pull you, pull you in. Um, Cause I can understand, you know, the criticism of, uh, of the first two geez, having friends and family who are just like, I don't get it. And I'm like, we get it where, cause we're, we're nerds, but uh, there are a lot of people who, who don't. And I think as this more progresses and we'll talk about it, you know, after the break, like this week's episode was the most, you know, MCU uh, kind of episode that uh, I think fans of 
the French, you know, the Marvel as a franchise up to this point are were expecting from the beginning. Yeah, I, I didn't, oh, go ahead, please. Go ahead, no, no, please. Uh, uh, it, it seems to me they're trying to do something entirely new with superheroes, which is to sort of go after that. Um, I guess Watchmen did it, but that's separate, but like that Mad Men audience, like to make more, for back of better words, fancier, ambitious, not just, um, you know, three act structure, huge explosion, wonderful superhero movies that I enjoy so much. But that's hard to do be with, an, with an audience that you've brought in so many movies that are used to that. So I think they're trying to sort of signal to that audience that we haven't forgotten you. Like, like we, we, we're trying this new thing, but, but, but please keep coming with us. You know, like, like they're trying to talk to two different people at once. So like this is for, you know, to win the Emmys and uh, this <laughs> to keep that Marvel billions, you know, I, I, I full, I, I fully agree with that. Jamie, what, what was it you were going to say? I didn't see yesterday more yesterday's clip as like a, you know, Oh, watch us. We need you. Um, I saw it more of, Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis are back. This is the confirmation, and you better stay up at midnight. Otherwise, you're going to see spoilers on Twitter. Because I spent all day yesterday freaking out that I was going to see Darcy Lewis on my television screen. And so it for me, it, it worked. Uh, 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 that's all I did yesterday was talk about Darcy, and it was because of that clip. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing behind the scenes of the marketing team over there. Uh, and it was nice to see some familiar faces in this episode. That was cool. So we are going to dive into WandaVision spoilers in just a couple minutes. But first, Tom, I have to grill you a little bit here. I have some questions for you. I'm ready. Uh, and so I want to talk about some of your work and some of your upcoming stuff and stuff like that before we dive full on WandaVision. First of all, it's it, after like refreshing myself on the your Vision comic, it's it seems so clear, and I, I did that before I watched any of these episodes. I, I, I read a number of comics just and reread some before watching any of the episodes, and it seemed like just from the trailers how much of it is influencing this show. And and your book, and I think the Englehart book from 1986 is a big one. Uh, obviously, House of M seems like a, a player, but as somebody who wrote that book that is clearly being used as an influence do like, are you privy to any of this or is, does it all come as a surprise to you? What is that ride? Like I am completely out of the loop on all of this. Um, I work uh, exclusively across the street from Marvel at their competitor DC. And not only do I work for DC, but I'm also writing DC movies and I'm, I'm like on that side. So <laughs> I'm, I'm completely in the com competitor market. So, I mean, I get, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these episodes. Um, as surprised as you are and delighted as, as you are. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not involved at all. And I don't, it's, it's fine that I'm not involved. I'm not resentful or anything. It's awesome. No, I, I just, it must be a pretty cool experience though, to be able to just sit back and be like, you know what? I kind of wrote that first a little bit. And then to see them kind of put, they put their spins on it because all these shows, the movies and the shows are an amalgamation of kind of the best parts of a lot of comics. And it, I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I see a lot of Brian Michael Bendis in this show. I think I give too much credit and he gets too little, to be frank. I see his, his and I, I see a lot of Steve Englehart, a lot of John Byrne, his West Coast Avengers stuff. Um, so yeah, there's, I, I clearly it's sort of the idea of Vision as sort of, again, this sort of elevated thing that I tried to do where it's ripping off Alan Moore with Vision. Uh, that that That's sort of the baseline, but then, you know, they're really cooking with the other ingredients of Bendis and Englehart and, um, uh, and burn. Yeah. But, but Tom, I, I, I you're, be, uh, you're being incredibly humble. So I am going to pump you up a little bit because like when, <laughs> cause I remember, I remember when, when vision was like, was coming out 
in issues, right? Like this is the, the cool thing about this is like, you know, they're obviously, you know, everyone who read it when uh, the series was coming out and then the, you know, WandaVision got announced and so everyone started to, you know, get really, really back into it. But I remember, you know, at the time you in early interviews, you know, kind of saying like this book, there's no way this, I, you know, there was no way I thought this book was going to work. Uh, <laughs> and then and, and as it started to legitimately gain, gain some heat, I mean, just with, um, uh, you know, your, your artistic collaborators and, and all that, like th this was a, a critical darling, almost like, you know, from, uh, from, from the get go. But can you, can you take us back to kind of like, as you guys were concepting the book um, really, you know, what, you know, I think, cause I think there's a lot of new people here who don't necessarily realize or kind of know the story on like just the ride that the comic was um, just, you know, what it was like setting that up and then, and then, you know, I mean, you went to win Eisner's for it. So like it, it clearly, uh, clearly resonated. Yeah. Well, I, I should say that um, uh, there's a limit to my humbleness. Like right now, thanks to shows like this and, and really thanks to people being like, what is this WandaVision show? Read this book. Uh, WandaVision is selling incredibly the trade and, and like it, you can see it like outsold Watchmen at least for one day. And I took a screenshot of that and I sent it to all my friends. Be like, this is, at least I had that one day, you know? Um, so, so I just want to, there's a limit to my humility. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this started out as my first, I, I grew up a Marvel zombie. That's like, that's where my true, despite all the Superman stuff you see behind me, like that's, that's my true nerd. I mean, I was an, I was an Avengers guy. I was an X-Men guy. It's sort of like from the time I was seven to now. And, uh, and vision was the first, I took, i done some work for DC vision was the first thing Marvel had ever offered me. Uh, and yeah, I thought at the time that it would be a big flop. I'd been on this book called Omega Men at DC that had been canceled. Uh, it got uncanceled because of Twitter, but, <laughs> but at the time it was canceled. And it, it's, a, it's a very Marvel, like famously, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, a Fantastic Four, when I created the Marvel Universe, because both of them were men in their 40s who had failed at other companies and, and, uh, and they were at this sort of third rate publisher. And they were just like, F it. I'm going to write what I want for the first time in my life after 30 years and became fantastic four in the Marvel universe. And th that's very much vision. I was like, I'm, I'm failing out of comics. I don't know how to do anything. I'm just going to write a comic that's completely weird. That's about a suburban family that steals from Neil Gaiman, Samet. And, um, and yeah, it took off. It made my career. We won a bunch of advisors and I, I got lucky and got Gabriel Walta uh, and Jordi Belair on art, um, just killing it. So yeah. In that book, it's it's it. I love the, the. I mean, you took chances in that book. Like you really you push the you push the envelope in a way that uh, some Marvel comics do, and some Marvel comics target I think a, a younger audience with a lighter tone. You weren't afraid to get dark uh, in some of those pages, and I, I mean, I appreciate it. like it was pretty mind blowing to because I just wasn't expecting some of those moments. So I'm curious, like, do you think that Marvel Studios will do will kind of get that? You think they're willing to go that dark? Like today's episode had a moment that was. Uh, we're not gonna. Everybody who watched it knows what I'm referring to right now. But it had a moment at the end there that was like, "Whoa!" And that was as dark as I've seen the MCU get. I think. Do you think that it would? Do you think it would be cool to see that? Like, it, would it be smart? Or do you think they're willing to to get to go that route? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I always go back to comic books and comic book history. But like, Marvel has made incredible comics, but DC has made these sort of dark tentpole comics, these Watchmen, these Dark Knight Returns, um, mm -hmm. New Frontier, these sort of comics that are like for lack of a better term, literary superhero comics. And, and Marvel has shied away from them. Um, uh, not, 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 I mean, that, that's, that's a big over assumption, but that's generally true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what I was trying to do is sort of to bring that DC sort of vibe that it's to, to Marvel. And I, and I, yeah, I mean the, the most popular 
uh, comic in uh, DC's history is Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns. Those are those are still the popular comics, and they still inspire the movies. And I think when people see that kind of energy in Marvel, it'll just spark more. It'll just spark more energy. Uh, listen, we, you're speaking about the DC Marvel comparisons. Your your next big project uh, is a big DC movie. A lot of people are very excited for. It. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, Tom, but we know that you're working on New Gods, and that's awesome. So I mean, I, I'm obligated to ask. I mean, what has that experience been like so far, and where, where are you guys at with it? Uh, I, I should give you. I, I want to caveat it because I like to be honest as possible. You're just going to get crappy platitudes out of me. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, when I talk about comics, I could be more honest. When I talk about the movies, like I have to because I don't. You know, it's someone else's vision that I'm I'm directing. So you're just going to get wonderful platitudes of. I mean, they're all true platitudes. Like working with Ava is a joy. She's incre- incredibly focused on the emotional core of these characters, um, and. Um, it's been fun. I've never written a movie before. Now I've done, you know, I've done some TV work. None of it ever comes out. Hollywood's a weird place, but I've done, but I've done some of that crap, but this is my first sort of big, you know, huge movie with, you know, space battles and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's a ball. But as, as long as we focus on sort of the, the core Jack Kirby relationships that, that he created that, 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 that make it good, it's going to be a good movie. And, and that, that's where Ava and I both are. Do you think that'll fall into the like, DC does go darker than Marvel type of uh, realm again. Uh, I mean, it, it'll it'll fall into the DC go, is as ambitious as we can make it. I mean, to to give to give a movie like New Gods to a visionary director like Ava, um, I mean, she's she's gonna to, to me. I, Jack Kirby and Ava are very similar creators. They're they're. They come from similar places and they have sort of parallel histories. And I feel like I'm just the person meeting these two people together so they can create something that's unique. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd say it's dark, but it's definitely going to be ambitious. It's going to be uh, it's going to be her doing her thing in the DCU. I have a quick question that the answer probably I'm probably the only one who cares about this answer. But, Tom, uh, do the scripts for <laughs> it's writing fast a, back do, do, the, do the scripts for writing a movie look anything like your comic book scripts or are they, uh, or do they, are they different j- just by the nature of what they are? Comic book scripts for people who don't know are very, they're all over the place. There's no rule on how to write comic book scripts. Um, you can be uh, like a Roger Stern um, who, who might write like three words per page or famously like Graham Morrison would tell Yannick Fiquette like, I want a double page splash. It's the meaning of love. And that'll just be it. You know, like, like maybe what is that? Um, uh, whereas, whereas Alan Moore will write, you know, 17 p- paragraphs on one, you know, shot of a gutter. Uh, so uh, I'm somewhere in between those, those two extremes. Uh, movie scripts are much more formatted. They're all, in, you know, final draft, which is a program everybody uses. They're all in the same font. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very common language. So it's much, it's much different than comic books. It's much less flexible. Fair you, uh, you do have an award, another award-winning run with Mister Miracle. Uh, any chance we see him pop up? <laughs> I don't see how you could do New Gods without Mister Miracle. It'd be a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I, I, I'm here for it. So, listen, I, I'm done grilling you. Now we're going to d- dive into the into the Wandavision stuff. I appreciate it. It, it. It's impossible to have people on here who are involved with these things and not ask questions about the upcoming stuff because we're a marvel show but of course we're very excited for everything that's coming we're going to watch all of it and new gods is one that i mean i think ava is tremendously talented and i can't wait to see what you two are cooking up together but uh, we're going to take a quick break everybody we will be right back to talk full spoilers on wandavision so this is your moment 
If you haven't seen WandaVision yet, now's the time to pause the show, open up Disney Plus, watch episode four, and then come back and we'll still be here. So see you in just a minute. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We are now diving into full spoilers for WandaVision. If you're watching us live on Twitch, we do this every Friday at noon Eastern time. Make sure you subscribe to the comicbook.com Twitch channel. And these uh, these these phase zero episodes are available on all major podcast platforms. If you want to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, listen, I'm not going to be mad about that. <laughs> Go ahead and do that, please. Now, WandaVision, episode four, reactions. Uh, let's start with Tom, our special guest today, Tom King. What is... What did you think of episode four of WandaVision? How does it rank for you? I really liked it. Uh, I feel like I should be this, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an artsy-fartsy comic book writer, and I should be like, oh, no, I like the artsy-fartsy weird stuff that doesn't add together more. But man, I, I liked finding out what was going on. I, I liked escaping. From, you know, the, uh, this this whole thing has been sort of, you know, it's, a, it's it, on some levels it's a deconstruction of, you know, um, sitcoms in a way. And uh, but they spent the whole the, the first three episodes reconstructing sitcom, so it was nice for the deconstruction to kick in, you know. And and I I mean I loved seeing um, you know Randall Park and 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 and, and it's just the, the MCU expanding and, and and suddenly this felt like a big show. Finally, felt like a huge impact kind of show, which I I, I enjoyed. Yeah, this this really felt like it, it like it kicked it up a notch to me. And this well, first of all, I think it's awesome that we are the one show that gives our guests homework. It's noon over there. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you had to watch WandaVision first thing in the morning to do the show. So we appreciate that. We gave our viewers homework. And if they hadn't read your vision comic, that was their homework. Now we I emailed Tom everybody and I said, listen, it, it would be good if you've watched the the latest episode of WandaVision. So we appreciate you getting it done. Also, it's it's great. I saw that you grew up with Randall Park, right? I did. That was this that was very surreal. Yeah, he was it's hard calling him Randall. He was Randy Park growing up. Um, <laughs> and I mean, li- you know, literally from the time I was six years old, he's, he's, my brother's four years older than me. And him and my brother were the same grade age, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school. And he was over at my house, you know, every, every week. <laughs> like I just, re- I mean, they were, you know, you know, you have an older brother, they're playing with their friends. They're much too cool for you. So I kind of, you know, I, yeah. So yeah, he, to me, he's Randy. It's very weird to, to call him Randall. And uh, and he was a trombone player. And yeah, it's, it's very, it's very oh, weird yeah. to see him all these years yeah, later funny. in something that I, that I, that was, I was inspired by some of the stuff I did. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's surreal. I'm talking to him on Monday and I'm going to say, Hey, Randy, Tom <laughs> said I could call you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my brother's name is Dylan, if you can remember, because I, I, he just be called Dylan's younger brother, Tom. Man, that'd be me. 
I'm sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout it out. Uh, Jamie, what did you think of of today's episode? Oh boy, did I love it. Um, <laughs> I feel like um, Marvel is absolutely um, like making fun of us with this episode. Like the whole episode is them asking the questions we've been asking without answering them, <laughs> and. That could have been frustrating, um, but I thought it was hilarious. Um, and also, um, like I said before, I have there's never been an MCU character that I have felt a kinship with more than Darcy Lewis. And watching her watch WandaVision and getting excited about the plot of WandaVision, it was like, I'm, I feel so seen. I'm here, I'm on screen. Um, and that was cool. But the big thing for me was, I love Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, it's such a fun, silly movie, but I, I can't imagine the blip was as funny as Far From Home made it out to be. Um, and I love getting to see the harrowing, like scariness of what the blip was probably like in most places. Um, mm -hmm. I can't um, uh, imagine, I always think of like the leftovers, like a reverse leftovers and how scary that pilot of that show is. And it was it was cool to see um, to see it in a hospital. That's probably the, the scariest place. I bet you somebody came back and they were like mid heart surgery and like something <laughs> horrific like that. So I was I was I was glued yeah. to the TV. Yeah. Jim, what would you think? Well, that, that was the thing. Like, so it, to me, this felt more like an episode of the X-Files than like, like any, anything else, just with like the, the weird kind of horror aspects and, and the, uh, but like also too, you know, like Tom mentioned, you know, the first couple episodes were kind of, you know, breaking down what, uh, you know, sitcom culture and, 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 and like what those are really like. And this uh, really felt like a, a breakdown or, or an, a, you know, a bit of insight into what the world of covering television is like. Uh, and like, it, it's a thing that we do. Uh, and it's, and so to see it kind of through that lens uh, is, is really, really interesting. But yeah, I mean, that board that uh, Agent Wu is is writing on could have easily just been a picture if we were still in the office of something that we would have had in our <laughs> office, right? Like what like what are the questions That's people are asking? What are, the what are the stories that we're going to write, right? Like, like that literally was every nerd editorial boardroom or whiteboard, uh, you know, across across the world, basically. And so... Um, and so, so I, I really appreciated this episode for that. Now I will say there was a lot of information that basically just got like, they just dumped up, backed up, backed up the dump truck full of information and just said, okay, have at it. Um, and like, I, but I feel like they did it in a way, one, they fit it into 30 minutes and two, didn't necessarily feel that over it was a lot but it didn't necessarily feel that overwhelming and i feel now that that is kind of out of the way if things are about to get real crazy and real weird mm -hmm. real fast the uh the noti gang in the comment section i missed why but they're all saying thank you taika uh so thank you taika for whatever for for everything you've done i don't know i just wanted to point that out but uh so i i'm gonna I, maybe i'm playing devil devil's advocate here no pun intended with mephisto looming this was my least favorite episode of the show so far. I'm going to be honest. And that's not to say I didn't like it, but it was my least favorite. My favorite was episode three. So it's three, two, one, four for me. And I thought the first scene of this episode was mind blowing. I thought it was fantastic. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then the last episode of this, this episode was the last scene was awesome. I was like, but it's funny. I can read you a text. I was texting Kirsten Akuna who, who writes for insider and we were kind of making predictions. And I said, this is going to feel a lot like 
Lost season two, episode two, which the first episode of season two of Lost was Jack and Locke going into the hatch and meeting Desmond. And then episode two of season two was just Kate's perspective of Jack and Locke going into the hatch and meeting Desmond. And the story moves no further, but you learned kind of a little bit more about what had just happened. And I was like, I feel like this is going to be Monica's perspective of what's going on. It's going to end at the same point that episode three ended. And the first time I watched it, which was midnight last night, I was, I was felt a little bit let down, but I think that might've been because I was very tired. (laughs) I watched it again this morning. And I, I, I watched it with headphones on. I just closely paid attention. And there's so many cool MCU ties that I was like, okay, this episode's actually pretty damn good. But I, it's still my least favorite of all four because I felt like it was such an exposition episode where it moved so fast. And I still, it answered questions in ways that I was just kind of like, well, that's kind of very straightforward answer. Like, it's just, it's not, it's a, I don't know. It did it. I don't know. But uh, it was, uh, I don't know, I'm not as high on it as everybody else's, and I kind of wish I was. I thought uh, it was just so, and after watching it again, I loved Jimmy Woo's nuance, especially like the card trick when he pulls his business card out, the reference to Ant-Man where he's doing close-up magic. That was awesome. Darcy is all of us when she says, I'm invested. Like, I was like, I feel seen. This is me (laughs) watching this show and everything. So, yeah. Uh, But there's my big question here. The big question this episode set up for me about the grander MCU is about sword because we thought Nick Fury was starting sword in the post credit scene of Spider-Man far from home. Right. Which we assumed was set after Spider-Man far from home. But in this, it seems to imply that sword existed pre infinity war because before the snap, right? Because Mm -hmm. Monica already had a badge there. Maria had already created it. And so like, my question is what, when was Nick Fury in space and, if it was after Far From Home, what was he doing? Well, there's a there's a line that Monica says in the show, um, especially where you know the the acting director, whoever I forget his name, was basically like kind of talking about you know well, times have changed and, um, and and Monica makes a reference to allies being out in space, and so I would imagine, obviously, she's talking about the scrolls and uh, and all that from what we learned in. Uh, Captain Captain Marvel, but to me, the gist of what it it felt sword was kind of more like NASA or a NASA type organization that I feel maybe have, has already kind of existed. Where you know Shield was very much in the shadows; no one knew it existed, or you know, or whatever. That um, was it was kind of the you know yin to shield yang and if that's the case then like i hope we'll find out more but it just it seemed like i mean their base was i mean they had a base out in the out in public i mean shield did too but didn't necessarily seem as much of a, a secret as i think we all were led to believe but it raises the big question like especially now where's nick fury well it's i i think he's the director of sword because tyler hayward corrected the, the the direct when when Monica said director of sword Tyler Hayward he mm-hmm. said acting director of sword which I think implies Nick Fury is the director of sword but he got brushed out of existence or maybe not maybe that's just what they want us to think and somebody else is going to come in that was and my you know what that means that means that Alfonso Mac McKenzie could still be the director of Shield <laughs> <laughs> you know hold on to it but Daisy but but we knew, but we knew Nick Fury got got blipped. 
and obviously came back and right. was in uh, Far From Home. Um, but we don't, but we don't, I guess we still don't know in what capacity he was in, if in Far From Home. Like, is he still kind of, you know, the Marvel Universe's greatest spy and no one knows he exists and, you know, is he based uh, and all that? I, I don't know. But I would, I, I want to see more Nick Fury, please. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> more Nick Fury. He's getting a whole show, Jim. You'll get Nick Fury. I understand. <laughs> I, I took no go. I, I took acting to mean that, like, somehow during the blip, there just wasn't enough um, people, people to confirm him or something. Like, like that was mm. like, like that that he's that that, it, that the job was still up for grabs and could still be hers. That that's how I took acting. Mm. Like like you would have gotten this job if it wasn't for if it wasn't for being blipped and you can come back and still take it at some point. Right. But I could I could yeah. I could be wrong. But yeah, it's it's funny. I was thinking I used to be in the CIA. It's weird. But um, but you if your badge is not working in the CIA, you you can't get to the front desk. Like that means. That, <laughs> They'll stop you way before you there. There's, you know, you're not getting into the parking lot. You're not getting in, you know, within 500 feet of the building. So the sword must be a more public uh, place than shield at least. Cause you, yeah. you, she's got all that way. Of course it's probably yeah, a chaotic day when everyone's coming back. That was uh, the day of everybody coming back. That scene was such a mind blowing way because I saw like her, her face come back together. That's how it opened. And I was like, what is that? Like, is she a construct of Wanda? And then when it zoomed out and it showed her come back, it hit me and I, I sat up and I was just like, wow, this is the anti-blip. Hulk just snapped and everybody's coming back. Hawkeye's wife, who never had her cell phone service canceled for five years, is about to pick up the phone and call. So that was that was awesome. I, I thought that was a fantastic way to open, open the episode. But with all the answers, like how that beekeeper got there, how, you know, what these, how these people are ending up in there. There were a lot more questions. I thought like, where is Nick Fury and stuff like that, but also Jimmy Wu, who we last saw in San Francisco is now in New Jersey because he said he's there for a missing persons case who was in this Westview town. For, so I, I feel like that might be an important thing. Like who is the missing person who was under witness protection? And it's gotta be Agnes or Dottie, right? I think like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing where I think the, the, the question is, I know from the very beginning, everyone wants to believe that uh, Agnes or is, um, you know, Agatha Harkness. Is that like, that's the, the prevailing theory on, on who she is. But I think since the, but since the, since the introduction of Dottie and, you know, and I mean, cause like there's two things here, right? On the board of things that, that are in the thing, uh, Agnes does not have a license. Dottie's not even on the board. Right. But we know they've seen Dottie because they've shown they 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 play the part, you know, they do the radio part. Right. So, so they know she's there. And so it has me leading more to believe that Dottie may be have more of a villainous role than anything else. Uh, and that and that you're right that I think, you know, maybe Agnes is uh, the the missing person and they just, you know, I don't necessarily know if it explains, you know, I mean, it would explain why she's on the board. It doesn't necessarily explain why there's no license for her, but, but Dottie's, if she's Dottie's in pretty protection, then that's yeah. probably it. Dottie's I talked to Emma tough. Caulfield last week um, and I tried to ask her if she's read any Dottie theories that are accurate. And she just said, you don't know what I've read. I can't answer that question. <laughs> um, but the intensity in which she dodged the question, of course, has me being like, oh, she's she's a villain. She's somebody. <laughs> I read really hard into into the conversation. 
Dottie is Dormammu confirmed. So <laughs> they saw the Hydra commercial, but they didn't comment on Hydra, right? So that was yeah. So that was interesting that they didn't sort of be like, "Hey, there's a commercial that features our greatest villain." Uh, that's I, true. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, they, they Sword would be very in the know about Hydra. Yeah, and it's it's. I still also I have a theory that I'm going to bring up at the end about the commercials uh, that I, I I hope I remember to bring up. I do have a, a question for for you, Tom. I, I have a, a prediction that Mr. and Mrs. Hart, who we learned are Todd and Sharon Davis from New Jersey. I don't know. Maybe they're my uncle and aunt. Could be. We, we can't <laughs> confirm or deny. I exist in the MCU. So I think they could be the family that was killed in the fire. That when you you in your very first issue you said that this these are the husband and wife. That later on when everything is all kind of uh, revealed that the family was killed in the fire by wasn't it like uh, wasn't like a, one of the rays? How, how did it exactly did their house start a fire? There was like a huge blast that went from the one from a fight through their house, right? Yeah, when Vision killed his nephew, or, or when when the what? nephew got killed, I guess. Yeah. Yes. So, I, do you what, do you buy it? Do you, do you like? But come on, please support my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him it's a good theory. <laughs> no, I, I I'm clinging. This is not going to happen. But I, I'm 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 waiting for the day I wake up and my phone buzzes and it's like the end of this series was you know Vision looks over and starts to build his wife and it just goes right into it just goes right into uh, my vision. Uh, so I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw out that theory and say no because it would conflict with my theory that I that it's I'm still coming. Yeah, that it's coming. <laughs> Are we going to actually see Sparky? Because we've seen the doghouse in in a trailer, and I I really want to see him. I mean, oh, I also yeah. want to see the floating mailbox. So it's it's the but but Sparky is I don't I don't know because don't they wouldn't they have to kill somebody first? Well, but we've definitely <laughs> seen know? the doghouse. So. Yes, Sparky. I've been told Sparky appears. I think because I, I uh, that's a create a character Gabriel and I created. So we have a character. It's a dog. That we <laughs> hey, listen, it's a, it very much a character. Sparky to the MCU. Let's yes. go. Move over. Uh, move over, Goose. Yes. You, take that, Jack Kirby. I created something. That's right. Too, okay? <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> I do think there there is a I love talking about the House of M stuff and I think there was a detail if you look very closely at um it was Abolish Tandon is his name Norm it, the the character's real name New, according to New Jersey ID is Abolish Tandon it, in the details that they've kind of monitored which I get I'm guessing they've seen a few things that we haven't they said Vision awakened him which I'm assuming is a reference to when these characters drop character and become their real selves that isn't that the term used in House of M when people remember the reality they they become awakened and they start to forget like they start to realize that everything that Wanda created is a fake reality where everybody got what they wanted and they have to do everything they can even if that means sacrificing this world that they thought they were living in happily or they've been tricked to believe they've been living in happily they they are awakened and they have to go fight to get their world back so I my Jim just last week I was telling you I think that the show is going to end with Wanda's powers essentially exploding across the universe creating an alternate reality that we only follow up in Spider-Man 3 and then resolve in Doctor Strange in the universe in the multiverse of madness I I think that it's got, that is the first kind of thing where people are awakened to this being fake Well so <sighs> It's funny you say that because because one of the things that I, I thought about and I was talking to another person, uh, one of the other writers at the site, Charlie Ridgely, uh, about um, Monica getting her powers 
from Wanda. Like in that moment where she gets thrown out of the reality, is that, you know, is that an instance where, uh, you know, that may either awaken something uh, in Monica, imbue Monica with some past? Because as far as we know right now, Monica has not shown any hints that she has powers. And, you know, obviously, you know, as, as comic book fans, we know, you know, that character does. And so, you know, it is, is this what kicks that off? And is Wanda responsible for potentially bring, you know, bringing mutants to the MCU or, or, you know, and in, in that manner. And so I'm, uh, I'm all in on that theory for sure. <laughs> that would be my guess too, that there's some, that they have to sort of retroactively fit in the entire continuity of the X-Men into these movies. And it helps when you have a, God-like figure like Wanda to do that, so that that'd be my guess. But who knows? Yeah. That kind of that that tees up the theory that I was going to forget to bring up I, in the episode three commercial, the Hydra Soak commercial. The the mom, presumable mom in that commercial, is the mother to a mixed family. She has, she's a white woman with a black daughter, and I think there uh, like there was it was a very like it was an interracial family, and I'm assu- like it looked like this could be a foster family. So my running another one of my running theories that we're not going to call back to if it's wrong in the future is that <laughs> maybe Wanda's parents who, in the MCU who were killed in Sokovia were foster parents and Magneto is out there and the explosion of the reality, which would be caused by her powers from the Mind Stone could unlock mutant genes where they've been there all along. And that's maybe the big surprise where this is just a new type of introduction for mutants in the MCU. Like they've been there all along. They just haven't unlocked their power all along. Kind of like Wanda and Pietro were. I don't know. I like to fantasize. That works for me. I I think that would be, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, that's what we all want, right? We want Wanda to turn to uh, Magneto and say, dad, you know, that would be, Oh, that would be unbelievable. (laughs) And Marvel likes to give people what they want. It is hard to believe. It would be hard, so hard to imagine that they could have cast somebody as Magneto and us not find out. But at the same time, you look what they just, what Disney Plus just did with the Mandalorian. They had they had a full investor day, and then they had an episode where they announced a Boba Fett spinoff at the end of the show, where nobody nobody saw that coming, and they brought in Mark Hamill, and nobody knew he was coming. So. I mean, it just goes to show the, I don't know how Disney does it when with Sony making Spider-Man, it seems like every actor gets leaked, but when Marvel studios and Disney are doing it, they just keep the secrets so well. And I don't know how they do it. So I hope that's, I hope that's the case. I think we'd all be pretty mind blown if we saw her see Magneto and just like, they don't even have to call him Magneto. You just introduce an older, maybe white haired character. And she looks at him and says, dad, and we all go wild. The Marvel fans go wild and the casuals come to us for answers. (laughs) (laughs) well but here's the thing too right like i know that there's still there are still very clearly going to be sitcom-y type moments in these shows right like just in the clip we saw this morning there's a nod to modern family which uh which as a fan of that show i love um and so but like part but now that we're really getting into the mcu side of these things Look, it wouldn't be a fa- an episode of Phase Zero if I don't uh, push my. I need to see James Spader as Ultron uh, in this show in some form, and so I feel like we are are running out of those opportunities. But knowing that there are more of the sitcom bits that are still ahead of us, uh, I am still keeping the faith that James Spader will show up. How many episodes is it? I don't know. It's a nine. nine. Total. We have five left. 
Yeah, we have five, five more. I, I hope he's in the office themed episode as a parody of Robert California <laughs> slash Ultron. That would be the best for me. The Jim, you were really uh, excited about the song at the end of the episode. Dude, it's so this show has nailed the needle drops at the end of at the end of every episode. And this one was uh, this one was uh, no, I mean, no different. I loved the uh, one. I love Voodoo Child as a song, just in general. Yeah. Um, but I think just even like just the title of that song and how it goes in, and, and when you put into you know everything else that is going on, it just feels perfect. And just for like anyone, obviously, you know, music fans or whatever, like it, you just make that connection is just that added layer of detail that, you know, we as fans of this stuff have, have come to appreciate. Yeah. But man, I, I love I hearing that. Burm, 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 burm. I thought Hulk Hogan was about to come out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> the wrestling fans, all they see is their screen like, oh, go black and white. Yeah. <laughs> hey brother. But, uh, it's yeah. I miss the sitcom stuff. I I think every episode has had a great song to end the to end the episode. But I miss the sitcom stuff, and I I'm, I fear that the sitcom stuff will be behind us, and we almost took it for granted. And it's interesting because true. as as much as you do see negative comments and reaction from some people, like I mean, my girlfriend like doesn't watch every Marvel thing. But the sitcom stuff of WandaVision was hands down her favorite Marvel thing she ever saw. But the sitcom stuff was my mom's favorite Marvel stuff she ever saw. And I like the, I feel it's it's very interesting to see how there's such polarizing reactions to it. And I hope we get back to it because I don't think we're going to get it again. This is a very one-time thing deal, I think. I can't imagine we're ever going to see a straight-up Marvel sitcom again. But who knows? I mean... Who, who would have thought we'd see one in the first place? Uh, so before we wrap up, does anybody have any anything else they want to they add to our WandaVision episode four breakdown, theory, speculation, any, anything fun? I feel like we haven't talked about the horrific moment of dead vision. Oh. oh. Um, and that oh. was, that that hurt. Um, and, and it brings back the Jimmy Woo board, is Vision Alive? <laughs> Um, and the way, I think the way that Wanda, when he said we can go anywhere and she said, no, we can't, that concerns me in terms of if, if the deal with, with, with vision. Yeah. That was actually well, a scary moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, but so that's the thing. And so for anyone who hasn't necessarily seen the promo, so there are additional, additional spoilers. So just careful. There is a, a scene where it looks like. Vision is walking out of the Westview bubble. And basically it looks like he gets a step or two out, falls to his knees. And it's like, you know, is that like, is he like, are those the last final moments of a vision or, uh, you know, or, or what, or is it vision at all? I mean, it sure as hell looks like vision. So I'd hope so. Um, I truly, I believe Wanda is powering him because she got her powers from the mind stone and the mind stone was what powered him. So it would make sense that she, her, her powers are what are, she's either she, people might think she's like puppeteering him and manipulating him to be what she wants. But I think it's more so she's kind of just powering him. Uh, even though at the end of the day, he probably knows he's dead when he gets out of her kind of control. And yeah. she I mean, also can, knows that. He's, and she's he's a supercomputer. He, he made the way that he reacted at the end of that episode. He is, he knows something's going on. He knows. He's, I mean, he's he had a look on his face that was 
Oh, this is gonna get scary. Yeah, Wanda's <laughs> acting really sus. She's she's trying to control everything, and I think at the end she's going to be able to control nothing. But we'll see. Tom, I got to ask only because you, you you did mention you know at one point you did work uh, you know for the CIA uh, that uh, you know inter <laughs> interdepartmental in that though you know that interdepartmental relationship kind of stuff is that is that genuinely how it is like is that you know if one group's got to interact with the the other group is there a bit of like first you know, he's got to worry about Marvel snipers now he's got to worry about sniper <laughs> snipers. <Jim. laughs> uh, my final gig, I, I was. Um, head of one of the branches for the prevent 9-11 branch, you know, stop people from blowing stuff up. And, and uh, I had on my team, I had secret service, I had FBI and they sat literally in the room next to me and uh, DHS, all those guys. So yeah, it's, it's after 9-11, that was the whole thing, right? We had to yeah. reintegrate and, and, and thank God we solved all the problems because the world is such a <laughs> common, good place now. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because for me, uh, the, there, there's the moment where, you know, when we see Darcy for the first time and she's going around the truck being like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And like, oh, great. They have no idea what's going on kind of thing. And yeah. like, I just thought, like that, that was, was, go ahead. That was the beginning of every Michael Crichton movie if you're a 90s kid. <laughs> like that was like four, four scientists with different expertise are sent into a bubble and they have to figure out what's going on. That was every Michael Crichton movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I just like, it's just one of those things too where like I love, uh, it, I love how they set like how they Marvel continues to set up the character of Darcy because I think it's one of those things where um she she's incredibly smart but she feel but like like we said before she feels like us like coming into these very serious situations and it's just like uh okay <laughs> but like is then like boom drops knowledge and you know helps solve a problem it's just I don't know but it's but it but it was weird and and I'm curious to hear what you think the moment when they're doing the radio thing and Darcy f- first like notices the, the recut um, and like, she, it happens again later and you know, she uh, tells Randall, but she didn't necessarily tell Randall yeah, that, was weird. that it, that it, she had seen that before. And so I'm curious to see if there's something that Darcy is potentially working on in the background mm. uh, that may, that may come to play. It could just be a weird storytelling, you know, Thin, loophole or whatever but like I, I thought it was weird that she didn't mention to randall the first time it happened and again when it did happen that she had seen it before yeah that was a that was a bizarre moment when she used to be like hey something strange happened let me tell you about it but she's like mm-hmm. to myself they did witness the monica cut together which was strange but it, that wasn't right. like a redo cut that was just like a jump cut so it's interesting that's a good issue i like that jim Am I the only person who's like hardcore shipping Darcy and Jimmy right now? Um, <laughs> I think so. Uh, the, the no, I think, I think is one hundred percent doing it. Yeah, I think Stan Twitter is very much on that train. Uh, I, I saw Charlie Ridgely wants a spin on comicbook.com's Charlie Ridgely wants a spin-off already. So <laughs> I, I, I think this is this is hardly the last we will see of, of Darcy and Jimmy Wu. What's the ship name? Jamie, you brought it up. What's the ship name? Go ahead. Oh gosh. Um well we could have Dimmy. Um uh, uh, <laughs> Dimmy no, Darcy. Uh, uh I'm st- you know what, Dimmy. I, I my first instinct was right. <laughs> That's Dimmy. it. Here we go. Perfect. Really right off the bat. <laughs> so well, I, it's a uh, the mixed reaction in the comments. Some people are for it, some people are very <laughs> against it. So uh, I don't know. I don't they're know. both gay, and I would also be okay with that. 
<laughs> I'm, listen, uh, Marvel, the MCU does not have a lot of gay characters, and I think that's what the th- thank you Taika thing was about before. So, because uh, Taika doesn't shy away from adding uh, some fun stuff like that. So, listen, this uh, this was fun. Uh, I think that is about where we have to go because I still have to go film my WandaVision Easter egg video and that's going to take me a while. I got, I got stuff to do, guys. I got to leave this show. No, this was awesome. This was super fun. And uh, oh, one last question I saw from the comment section was from Casually Cosplaying. This was for Tom. Tom, as somebody who has worked on Vision, do you wish you could have a Jarvis voice for your Siri on your phone? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's mostly to chastise my children because I feel like Jarvis would do. Why haven't you cleaned up the dishes yet? You know, like I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Clean the dishes, sir. Well, yes, I, I would. Lie. I wish I could name my Xbox Jarvis or something. I would just talk to it all day. But uh, listen, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast, man. You were a fantastic guest, and it is a, it is an absolute pleasure to get to talk with you and pick your brain on this stuff. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who picked up my uh, my little book. That's very Gabriel and I very much appreciate it. And I hope everybody will go uh, continue reading Rorschach and Batman Catwoman and some of the awesome stuff you're, you're still working on now. So uh, I hope everybody in the comments will head out to their local comic shop safely or order online, whatever you can do uh, to, to continue to support the comic book business. Jim Cardi, any last words today? No, I'm, I look, I just, uh, I need to see James. Can't Spader. say no please and then make, add words. Please make it happen. Please make it happen. Marvel. I need my James Spader Ultron in the, uh, in this show. Jamie, anything anything from you before we head out today? All I want to see is Elizabeth Olsen and Kat Dennings act in a scene together. Uh, that's mm. that's my dream. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of time. Well, thank you, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to our comicbook.com Twitch channel. You're here right now watching it. Hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to us on Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever podcasts are sold for free, make sure you subscribe and leave positive reviews. And everybody who sends us screenshots and tells their friends and does all that fun stuff, we genuinely appreciate it here on Phase Zero. We have big plans. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming up, and I just sent a hell of a pitch to Disney for a really fun thing to do here on Phase Zero. I hope they say yes because you guys are going to love it. And everybody, and, and we have to end the show by thanking Tom King for joining us. Tom, thank you so much for coming up, Phase Zero. Thank you all. Very much appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>